Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 180. We're recording this live Friday afternoon, May 2nd, 2014. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And with me, as always... The other part of Asif, it's Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association. Yes, I'm in Toronto for a change, and it's good to be here. It's good to be home. It's it's great to be home, isn't it? Especially when you got these uh, Toronto Raptors, which is the basketball team playing uh, so well. Love it. Tonight, they're closing it out. Closing it out. Now, they is just have it? to build a 47-point lead in order to be able to hold on for tonight, you think? Oh, yeah. wow. What wow. a game. What a game. Well, we're not here to talk about sports. We are here to talk about everything that has to do with the location-based marketing world, contextual-based marketing world. We've got a great show today jammed with 10 of the top stories of the week with the first one. I know you guys know what the first one is out there. I'll just give you a moment to think about it. You can whisper it in my ear. Yeah, it is. It's about that company. But before we do that, uh, let's talk about what's going on with the Location-Based Marketing Association. Asif? Uh, It's me. Right. Yeah. So mayhem. Like, it's, right. It's the start of mayhem. A- absolutely. There is a ton going on in the LBMA world. Uh, let's start with next week. We have two events happening next week um, that we're involved in. The first is is the Amsterdam chapter has a big event on May the seventh. Um, that's all up. Uh, it's called Location Marketing Intelligence. Uh, a lot of brands participating in that. Guys like Scotch and Soda. Uh, you know, great clothing brands and and all kinds of crazy stuff going on there. So that's May 7th in, uh, in, in The Hague, um, in, in, in the Netherlands, so check that out, it's on the site. The same time, the 7th to the 9th in Atlanta, I'll be down there for BIA Kelsey's Leading in Local um, conference, so if you're in Atlanta, come, come participate in that, we're excited about that. The following week, uh, I'll be over in Madrid for the 13th for the Solomo Summit, Gonna be a great, great event. We're expecting you know four or five hundred people out for this thing. Uh, it's the second year we're doing this, um, so we're really excited about that. Uh, so that's May the thirteenth. Uh, what else we got? We got um, something the, going on in San Francisco. Yeah, at the end of the month. Uh, so on the twenty seventh and twenty eighth, uh, the LBMA is uh, co-producing an event called the Now Moment. Uh, so it's just the uh, the Now Moment. Um, uh, is is what it's called, and it's it's really interesting. It's um, it's an event that kind of looks at, at uh, indoor location and mobile and wearables, and it's a it's kind of a, a half day conference and and a hackathon uh, kind of thing on the on the on the previous day, and then a half day conference kind of repeated twice. Um, uh, IBM's kind of getting behind this and and supporting uh, funding this thing and pulling this together. So it's it's again it's called the Now Moment um, LBMA San Francisco chapter. Uh, along with a group called Silicon Vikings, putting this thing together. So we're excited about that. Um, what else we got? But that, that's May right there. Uh, and then June, June. Uh, I'll just I'll just throw out sort of uh, two quick things. June third, the Street Fight Summit in San Francisco. Don't miss that. And June fourth is the official launch of the LBMA's uh, Chicago chapter. I mean, we've been in Chicago a lot. We got a lot of members there, but we're actually finally putting a, a real chapter in Chicago. It's about that's damn gonna be time. June June the 4th, and we're excited about that. So um, all that available on thelbma.com forward slash events. That is a mouthful, man. I Done. Have, I have but one thing. I'm going to be in Amsterdam, uh, May 22nd at the Mobile Convention in Amsterdam. You can go and find out about that at mobileconventionamsterdam.nl. I'm going to be speaking about mobile payments. I cannot wait to do this. I'll also be hosting the entire mobile payments track for the entire day, May 22nd. I'm going to get in there on the 21st. So if you're around, if you are in Amsterdam or nearby, why not come out and see, come out and meet. Press press the flesh in Amsterdam, if you will. I'm only there for a very short period of time. Uh, you know, two overnights. Don't take, press too much flesh. It is Amsterdam. It is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Exactly. None of that. None of that. None of that pressing. No, no, no. no. But uh, I'm taking uh, two red eyes. One there. One back. Just so that I don't miss a weekend with my family. But uh, if you can be around there, please reach out. Robin on TV, and I'd love to meet you there. Amsterdam Mobile Convention Amsterdam.nl. Can't wait to do it. Cannot wait to do it. And that's it. That's all I got in May. Okay. That is everything. All right, we got a busy show. Oh, boy, do we ever. Uh, what do you say? Uh, as you said, we got our 10 stories. we got a resource of the week. we got a guest. Uh, and, of course, uh, we've got our three stories that we're going to dive, uh, do a deeper dive into. We're going to start with our top 10 stories of the week. And as you guessed, our first story, 
Let's hear it, everybody. Foursquare. What the what? Our first story is that Foursquare splits their company into two. I guess uh, breaking up is really, really, really hard to do unless you're an app company these days. In the continuing trend to simplify mobile app usage, Foursquare announced that they will be splitting themselves into two separate apps that do two separate things. This is crazy. Their first app, which will be called Foursquare... Bonus for originality. <laughs> yes. yes. Will become their local discovery app, which will be ultimately what they consider internally a Yelp killer, which is funny. Uh, well, their second app is going to be called Swarm, which happens when ultimately you land in the same place or you're in the same place as many, many other people who check in at the same time. And that will be their classic check-in and friend discovery app that Foursquare has been known for all these years. Desperate maneuver or brilliant strategy? We will talk about that, of course at great length later on in the show. Foursquare breaking up. There you go. Wow. Lots to say about that. Well, I'll hold it to the end. Uh, our second story is about uh, our good friends at Qualcomm. Um, I, you know, we talk a lot about beacons on the show and, and iBeacon in particular, but you know, the other major, or one of the other major beacons in the marketplace is this thing called the Gimbal, which is uh, a Qualcomm uh, product. And they've decided that beacons are so important, so successful, so hot right now, um, it needs its own attention. So they're going to spin off the gimbal unit into a separate company and focus just on, on what can be done with beacons. Um, I like this move. I think this makes sense for them. Uh, we know how much retailers are, are, are interested in this. And, and even beyond retail, healthcare and other markets, uh, I think, will benefit from this. So good move by Qualcomm to, uh, to create gimbal as a separate standalone entity. That's supposed to happen by the end of the month. All right, our third story, I love me my in-flight Wi-Fi. It is the thing that I love most about flying. And AT&T, the big carrier, has announced that it plans to get into the in-flight internet access business by building a new air-to-ground technology based on its LTE wireless service. This will go head-to-head -head with the incumbent Wi-Fi providers, GoGo and Global Eagle. No fees were announced, but I'm all about competition in the space. If you've ever gone on and used GoGo, you understand the pain that is the bill at the end of a long flight, say, to San Francisco. So, AT&T plans the in-flight LTE service, and I cannot wait for these guys to do it. There you go. Very cool. All right, our fourth story is about a uh, well-known alcoholic beverage known as Jose Cuervo. Uh, and Never had created... any. Never had any. Yeah. Never yeah, had all any. over it. Um, so they've created this cool thing called History in a Bottle. Once upon a time, the earth erupted, burying treasure in its soil. A gambler named Jose Cuervo harvested those riches and bet his future on tequila. On Cinco de Mayo in 1862, Mexico defeated the French, and a rebel named Jose Cuervo served the shots. For 13 years, prohibition left Americans high and dry, and a hero named Jose Cuervo slaked their thirst. When a beauty named Margarita walked into a bar, a romantic named Jose Cuervo mixed an icon in her honor. Some even say Jose Cuervo was the name that inspired beach volleyball. For 219 years, the Cuervo family has made history their own way. For 219 years, they've made 100% agave Cuervo tradicional. Uh, this is a company that's been around a long time. Uh, the agency that did this is McCain out of, uh, McCann out of New York, along with a company called uh, Leica or Leica, L-A-I-K-A. Uh, and so they created this thing called History in a Bottle. The brand's been around for 219 years. Um, and basically, you know, via an augmented reality app that you download, you hold this up over a bottle, a, a Jose Cuervo bottle, and you see, you know, sort of the history of the brand, you know, where, um, you know, a, a volcanic eruption happens and, you know, you have this enriched soil uh, of the agave plants that they use to, to make the beverage. Uh, and it kind of looks at, you know, prohibition era uh, kind of, um, you know, artwork that, that's happening in there. Really, really interesting stuff. A great way to bring sort of interest to to a product and, and, and kind of drive, you know, the you know, sort of that, that value, that history, that, you know, that, that relationship uh, and, and, and extend people's relationship with that brand. I really like this. This is really interesting and a great way to activate you know uh, a brand experience yes because you activate the brand experience in the bottle and then you activate the experience of drinking what's in the bottle 
All right, our fifth story in a very Disney World-like way. I just came back from Disney, as you know. Uh, Palladium Hotel Group is introducing uh, something they're calling Smart Bracelets. Their code name is VIBs, which signifies very important bracelets. Terrible, terrible, terrible name. But uh, these are for guests staying at two resorts in Ibiza. The bracelets allow guests to open up their rooms, pay for products on site, access different establishments, access everything basically, and take advantage of some exclusive discounts. The greatest thing about this is that it's also the payment mechanism. They do not have to pull out their wallet or their credit card or their cash every time that this is accepted. This is a very effective way of doing business in, in Disney. This is coming to every hotel, I swear to you, because it increases the average spend on auxiliary services from the people that are sitting inside of those restaurants, like bars and restaurants and so far. But that together with a little bit of Jose Cuervo and you got a really good mix of drunken debauchery with a wristband. Wow. In Ibiza, right? Of all places. There wow. you go. That's our fifth story. Palladium Hotel embracing the wearable bracelet for payments. Our sixth story is um, about a thing called Project Edison uh, created by... Uh, see, if the, I, call uh, this, I call this Project Awesome. It is Project Awesome, yeah. but, uh, but otherwise known as Project Edison. Uh, created by the phenomenal oh, cause of, cause creative because of, of the lights. Yeah, I, I get it now. You got it. You get it, right? I get it now. Um, <laughs> all right. So it's created by the uh, the fantastic creative uh, minds of the IDEO uh, uh, group, the IDEO Studio group, uh, and they implemented this uh, in a in a hotel lobby in Palo Alto, a hotel called the Epiphany Hotel. And basically, what they've done is just created this this phenomenal light fixture, this digital, uh, you know, digitally interactive light fixture that combines circuits, light bulbs, software, uh, Internet of Things kind of capabilities. And what it does is it takes data from the local environment and then you know reflects that data in in how the lights uh, you know react. So you know if people talk about uh, the brand on social media. Uh, it mimics the movement of the spiral sta staircase beneath it. Um, you know, it can come to life. You know, you know, or be brought to life in in all sorts of different different ways based on movements and and, and proximity and, and like I said, social media mentions and a whole bunch of other things. Really, really interesting. Really, you know, about how do you bring you know sort of excitement and experiential type of capabilities to a physical environment like a hotel lobby. Love it. And they say in the future that. Um, People will be able to have access to this thing in terms of programming it to do whatever they think makes makes it cool and interesting. So I like it. Hack the lights. Hack the lights. Yeah. That's amazing. All right, our seventh story. Uh, Locate, the world's largest location as a service company, has partnered with mobile marketing company Tetherball to provide innovative location-based SMS marketing solutions to leading brands and retailers. This is the perfect relationship that combines Tetherball's expertise in SMS and Locate's database of places to put the right message into the right hands of the right customers at the right time and right place. This is that mix of things that uh, are sure to come uh, with other you know, partnerships in the marketing and SMS world. This is actually a very, 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 I'm all for this kind of relationship, just done effectively. No smarmy sales guys though. So Locade and Tetherball. Love it. All right, our A story uh, is all about digital out of home and the power to uh, change content based on real-time data. Uh, so in Chicago this summer, uh, they've teamed up with a brand called uh, Leinenkugel uh, is the name of the uh, the product. It, it's a it's a beer you know summer shandy uh, type of product, and so they've got these giant digital billboards you know that you see uh, you know as you're driving along the the highways in Chicago for for this uh, for this shandy product. But what happens is 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 they've got real time weather data being fed into the uh, you know into the system that determines what ad gets shown. So they actually show an ad if it's cl actually cloudy outside, you'll see a different ad on the screen saying, "Hey, when it's cloudy, you know, this is this is why, you know, Lightning Google Shandy is good for you." Oh, it's 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 really sunny right now uh, out there, you know, well, you need you need this ref the refreshing taste to cool down, you know, of of this summer shandy product. And, and so completely uh, contextual based on uh, live weather data feeds. Love it, brilliant, the kind of stuff that everybody should be doing. I like it. And in Canada, in the winter, it runs by and it says, we can't help you, just jump into the vodka. That's what there it says. Go. There's some honesty right there. Mm -hmm. All right, our ninth story, our second last story. Oh, we're so close. Uh, this has to do with that company that uh, I, I question how they're still in existence, really, quite frankly, a company called Square. Uh, this is a dominant independent mobile payments and commerce company uh, launched a pre-ordering service called Pickup. 
Logical, logical. Allows customers to purchase product and have it ready for pickup at a specific time. Once the product is ready for pickup, the merchant will send notification to the customer. This is a premium service. Square is charging 8% of the value of the order, a flat rate of 8% across the board, and uh, as opposed to their 2.75%, which they charge on their credit card transactions. Uh, this is an interesting play, a little bit too late, I think, into the marketplace. But think about it. You can order your latte at Starbucks and have it and, be, and pick, just go in there and pick it up. You don't have to worry about payment. It's already done, a la Uber, basically. Uh, prepay everything. And uh, this is, they prefer you to do this through their merchant services, which is what they're using to help companies get onto this. This whole e-commerce and e-commerce world, much like a Shopify, but uh, but done with Square, um, and this all swirling around these rumors that Square may be up for sale. And if I was them, I'd put the put my hand down on the on the desk and say, I'd take the money. Just take the money. Just take the money, Square. If you're offered billions, don't be like Groupon. Take the money because your days are limited, in my opinion. Anyways, mm, yeah. if you're interested in that, go to squareup.com forward slash pickup. Pickup. There you go. There you go. All right, and our 10th and final story for the week uh, is about a company called Alter Geo. Uh, and there are, some describe them as the Foursquare of Russia. You can check into a location, uh, get discounts, you know, social discovery, or at least what Foursquare used to be, maybe, um, since they're not that anymore. But uh, what's really interesting here is they've signed up uh, some, uh, some customers uh, in the forms of, of financial services companies, banks uh, in particular, and they built their system's a little bit different than Foursquare. It, it's a uh, it combines GPS with Wi-Fi and a whole bunch of other location capabilities into what they call a hybrid positioning system. Um, you know to provide that. But what's really interesting is is these banks are going to use this system to understand the location movements of uh, prospective borrower borrower borrowers. I can't say that word. Borrowers, um, borrowers. Credit risk. Yes, they're going to evaluate credit risk when you apply for a loan or you want to borrow money from a bank based on uh, being able to uh, to verify that what you say in terms of where you be, where, where you work, what you do, and where you hang out uh, from a geo perspective is is actually accurate. Uh, interesting application. Uh, we'll talk more about this as as one of our deep dives as well. Um, so cool. Yeah. We will talk all about that. So our three stories that we're going to talk about are Foursquare, Square, and Alter Geo. Before we get into this, we have a guest that's coming up in Gideon Rubin. I want to talk to you about my new best friend, Warren Evans, who put $10 down a month on our Patreon account, our, our, uh, our campaign. Thank you, Warren. Thank you. It was great to meet you in Vegas, and I appreciate the fact that you've done this. I thank you for supporting what we're doing here at Untether.tv. Now, I believe in the value for value model. If you find value in the show, if you find value in any of the shows on Untether.tv, why not contribute a couple of bucks back to us? If you can't, do not worry about it. We will bring these shows forever as long as we can do this we're heading towards our 200th episode which incidentally we are going to be recording that sometime around september 19th that's our 200 200th episode i did some math on that but if you find value in this and you'd like to contribute head out to patreon.com forward slash untether that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash untether and do become a patron of untether.tv and all the content that we do this is the only way you can support this kind of content really really appreciate it every dollar helps and we will do some good with it like introductions and new stuff that we're going to be doing and more live shows so uh really appreciate it and thank you warren you are my new best friend and i did give you a bear hug as you drove across the country from uh from vegas so uh consider that prepayment thank you patreon.com forward slash on tether and of course go. asif do you want to mention something that we're writing is it worthwhile yes, talking about yes. that thing uh, th yes we we have this book uh that we've been working on uh, we're excited about it. We've got a lot of content that we've amassed in our heads and, and we've shared on the show over the last three some odd years. So we figured let's put that in some sort of written form uh, and talk about where we think the industry is going. Not that you know we're any experts on this, but you know um, we'll at least share what little we know uh, in the space. So that's called People, Places, and Media. Uh, and if you just go to peopleplacesmedia.com, you can sign up to get the first chapter for free. And... It should be available soon. That's all I can say. We're just very cruising. Soon. Yes, very soon. All right. PeoplePlacesMedia.com and Patreon.com forward slash Untether. Two ways that you can help support the things we do right here. Okay. Gideon Rubin, my friend. Gideon yes. Rubin. 
Yes, I uh, had a chance to uh, to sit down with uh, Gideon Rubin, uh, who's uh, the man behind a company called Local Market Launch, one of our fabulous LBMA member companies. Uh, these guys, uh, you know, we see them a lot at uh, at Kelsey events, like we're going to be at next week. Um, but they're all about uh, you know helping local businesses, you know, small medium merchants in particular, uh, you know, sort of monitor their their presence online, uh, grow their presence online, uh, sort of manage their location profile, if you will, uh, and their search uh, local search uh, profile. So, uh, doing a lot of work to kind of you know bring bring a bunch of, of services together, uh, you know, in a nice suite, uh, you know, for for that small medium business client, and uh, had a chance to talk to Gideon about you know what he thinks about location, why it's so relevant, and uh, and where they're going in that space. So here he is, Gideon Rubin. Well, it's that time of the uh, show again where we get to bring on a special guest. And this week, it's uh, Gideon Rubin, the Chief Marketing Officer of Local Market Launch. Gideon, welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Uh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So uh, you guys have been involved with the, uh, the LBMA for, for a while. But, uh, you know, it would be great if you could just tell uh, our audience, you know, a little bit about, you know, who is Local Market Launch? You know, what are you guys, uh, what are you guys trying to do out there? Yeah, sure. Uh, we focus entire in, uh, entirely in business listings management, which means we create enhanced verified claimed profiles across the top search, social, and directory websites. The bottom line is we do this to make sure our customers get found when consumers are searching for them. So we don't care if someone is using an app on their phone, a Google on their desktop, or a GPS device in their car uh, like an OnStar. We just want to make sure that the businesses get found when consumers are searching. I love that. I mean, I, lo I love the ubiquity of, you know, wherever they're searching, regardless of device, uh, you know, you're trying to be there and be present. And, and that, you know, obviously fits really well with the LBMA's, you know, view of location being, you know, not just about mobile, but, you know, wherever somebody is, you know, understanding what media happens to be there and how a marketer can take advantage of that. So I like the alignment there. Um, is this, um, is this a, a, a sort of a, a holistic problem in the industry for businesses to manage their profiles in this in this way is is you know is there a specific th uh, issue or problem that you saw out there that you said as local market launch we need to solve this we we need we need to help people uh, understand how to do this better yeah um i mean i definitely think that this piece of the puzzle is foundational for any business it's not super sexy like all the mobile tools out there yeah. but it's just foundational we view it as a digital sign in front of a business it's the same thing um, local businesses used to have a sign in front of their business to make sure that they could get found and now it's all about having that digital sign online so we make sure to bring uh, their listings online to make sure that consumers can find them when they're searching for their products or services I mean yeah I mean I, I like the sign behind you create break fix uh, you know it's uh, improve uh, and that makes <laughs> sense right um, you know, but it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about this not being sexy, and and I agree. It, it, it's sort of uh, you know, um, you know, bricks and mortar, um, you know, kind of a stuff, functional, foundational stuff uh, that everybody should be doing. But it, it's interesting because you know, when you think about search today, and you think about mobile and location and, and and search in that context, you think about things like Yelp, you know, social discovery. You think about things like Yelp and Foursquare and, you know, or the, the mess that is Foursquare now going forward at, that we talked about earlier on the show today, uh, you know, the split uh, of the company into two different apps. But, um, you know, how does that fit with the world that you do, the sort of the consumer, you know, using social discovery platforms to find businesses around them? Are you doing anything as a company to help optimize that uh, for, for the businesses that are trying to be found? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things that we do that are a little bit different. One is that we're actually claiming profiles, which means we're um, locking that profile down for the merchant. And don't think in terms of locking it as, in, as if uh, no other information can be added to the profile. It's more locking it so that the merchant themselves has control of the brand. So whether it's an enterprise with lots and lots of locations and they want to really control that brand experience for the consumer, or whether it's a small SMB and they just want to make sure that their listing is accurate and has their information. But the, a, a piece of that, so that's just one piece of it. But when you look at things like the content, that's where the biggest opportunity lies, is we're able to enhance content at scale and, and in a burstable fashion, which means we, all our business, uh, well, I shouldn't say all, but um, primarily our business comes through partners that are white labeling our platform. And so that means that 
um, they oftentimes have different needs and different scheduling and quarters and everything else. So they have ramps in their business where um, there may be many, many locations that need to be listed at one time. And one thing that we've done is we've built an entire infrastructure, both with the workflow side, but specifically around the content. So it's not enough to just have your name, address, phone number, and URL in these mm -hmm. listings. You also need content about your business, whether it's factual content like um, payment types accepted, hours of operation, um, languages spoken, or whether it's more editorial content like a business description or keywords or categories. Sure. These, these things, consumers search for these things, the and that's what they're data. looking for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what they're expecting as a result. And if you don't put the content in there, first, the business is unlikely to get found. But second, even if they are found, the consumer experience is, is very poor because they're not getting what they asked for. And they may go to some other business that's a competitor that may be down the street and has that information. So um, would that include, would you guys get involved in things like reputation management uh, and scoring and things like that as well? So we partner with reputation management platforms, um, and so we can deliver that solution as a package sol solution to our partners. But um, you know, our whole focus is really just the business listings management piece, reporting on that piece of it, but not necessarily as the holistic reputation management solution. Um, so we oftentimes have implementations in the end client that has both our offering as well as a reputation management offering um, seamlessly put together for the for the end merchant. Cool. So you mentioned partners a couple times now and white labeling and such. Is that is that your primary sort of uh, go to market strategy or, or or the way you implement with customers? Can you give us a quick example of of uh, of that type of relationship with a, with a real customer? Um, yeah. So so we it, it, that is the case. So especially for SMBs. So we have no SMB um, sales staff here at all. Um, so we service SMBs through our partners. And then enterprise clients, um, it's a mix. Some is through partners and some is direct. Um, but as far as, uh, you know, I can give you some general case study stuff um, because most of our partners want to be white labeled sure. for a reason. Um, but generally, uh, you know, we have one particular case study that we've been working on um, putting together and the results are pretty encouraging. So over the last year, um, they grew their business with us by a thousand percent. So they were generating a significant amount of revenue last year. I believe it was in the, um, um, you know, it was in the low hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, per month that they were generating using our product. So they were selling our product, and that was at an eighty percent margin for them. Um, so it was a very successful product last year, but. Um, in, in the subsequent year, it really took off because now they've had some time with the product. They've been able to wrap it and bundle it into other digital offerings, which is we highly recommend that because it really is that, that hub, that anchor in your entire digital presence. And, um, and so they've built that up, and it's been a huge uh, product for them this year, and they've really taken off with it. And it's very exciting to see. We've been uh, receiving a lot more orders, and, and they've been really excited, and, and the revenue is becoming significant for, for everyone involved. Excellent. So I'll put you on the spot a little bit, but because uh, you mentioned case study, and one of the things we do at the LVMA is publish case studies from from our great member companies like yourself. So when that is available, is that something you'd be uh, willing to make available to uh, you know through the LVMA uh, uh, to, to to this audience? Sure. Yeah, we would definitely do that. I believe we're, we're there's going to be a snippet of that. We're working on a white paper that should come out in the next uh, few weeks. And we can also provide that, and and it'll have a snippet of that case study in it. That's the first piece. Awesome. Looking forward yeah. to it. So one last question for you. Uh, you know, as you look to, you know, how this industry is evolving and maturing, you know, is, is there something, you know, some new problem out there that you guys see that, that you're planning on addressing in the future in terms of your product roadmap uh, or, or just, just from your own uh, perspective that, you know, that, that you see in the industry that uh, is yet unsolved that uh, you would guide uh, folks towards? Sure. Um, as far as our offerings, um, as I mentioned, everything's uh, built around this business listings management um, core of our business. And um, we recently launched what we call TruePoint synchronization technology. And that technology, what it really does, it's all about simplifying the process. Um, there are a lot of companies that can do similar things to what we do at very small scale. It's much harder to do it at scale, and it's much harder to do it integrated through partner relationships. Um, so this TruePoint synchronization technology that we've uh, rolled out is really about simplifying that whole process. So for example, things like um, the verification process. 
We believe it's very important because then everyone knows that the merchant data is accurate, which is a very key piece to this whole puzzle. Um, so we have a wizard within this true point synchronization technology that facilitates the claiming process with the in merchants. And um, so that that has taken a lot of the work away from both the merchants as well as the partners to to complete the entire process of claiming all your profiles. Um, so that that technology is it's in market right now. I would say it's in beta in market, but we're really excited at the new developments and we have some very large partners rolling it out over the next 30 days. Um, so it's it's going to be very interesting, but but you know, obviously there's a difference between your first version and later versions. This first version is all about, you know, we're very excited about the functionality. We think we've simplified a large part of the um, problem areas, but we're always looking to simplify the process because we believe ultimately the merchants need simple. They need something that's really easy, really simple to work with, um, and it's effective, obviously. Like so it. we think we have both yeah. sides of that. It's all, I mean, it comes down to, you know, one-on-one, right? Keep it simple, and uh, you know, because yep. uh, people are stupid. So there you go. Um, I like it. Um, and, and so, you know, thanks, uh, Gideon. We really appreciate you taking uh, some time out of your day to, to come on uh, this week in location-based marketing and sharing uh, with us. Again, for our audience, we've been sitting down with uh, Gideon Rubin, the Chief Marketing Officer for Local Market Launch. And that was Gideon Rubin. So thanks, Gideon. Really appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Uh, always a pleasure uh, to interact with you. So smart. Um, love it. Thanks. Yes. Thank you, Gideon. All right. On to our three stories, the focus of these episodes, the deep dive into the three stories that we think are the most significant or the most contentious out there in the past week in the location-based marketing world. The first one, of course, is this move by Foursquare to essentially split themselves into two companies, create an entirely new brand, an entirely new brand, uh, and keep their Foursquare app, which everybody knows as the check-in app, as the discovery app, and create this entirely new application called Swarm as the uh, as the check-in app and the heat map for where your friends are. This follows uh, Facebook getting into this with, uh, what is it, Find My Friends? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and you know, I believe that these guys have been working on this for quite some time. I don't believe that everybody just swarms around the idea of splitting up their apps and focusing on this area. But did, did Facebook steal their thunder? And can this work? And what is your assessment, Asif, of what this means to Foursquare? Are they giving up? Or is this really just brilliant strategy? Um, <laughs> you, you know, I'm, I'm perplexed, to, to, to say the least, by this, this announcement. Um, you, you know, you... You've got 40 plus million, you know, downloads of, of the Foursquare app today. Um, you know, the active user base is probably a quarter of that at best. Um, you know, so from a from an advertising, yeah, struggling to find revenue, um, and you know, we, we're just not seeing it. And they've raised an absolute ton of money. Uh, and from you know, so from an investor perspective, you know, investors must be pulling their hair out, going, you know, when are we going to see something? From this company, um, and here you go, and you launch two, you know, sort of separate apps. Supposedly, they're going to have these deep connections between the apps. You know, that one interacts with the other, as Facebook is doing with with their apps in terms of news reading and and, and everything else. Um, but 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 I struggle with you know, you got to go out and you got to build a you know a new user base here. Uh, the check-in piece is moving to the app that is not called Foursquare. Um, you know, I, I think this is a last ditch uh, to try and find a way to, um, you know, you know, be relevant again. Try and find a way to uh, attract advertising dollars, uh, you know, to to a part that you know actually makes money. So the search piece, you know, is kind of like the Yelp business, if you will. Um, and, and perhaps you can go and target merchants and, and try and play in that space. Or, um, and maybe this is where is is. You know, one piece has more value, um, you know, from a valuation point of view than the other. And so perhaps by spinning it out, it becomes easier to, you know, sell that off to somebody else, right, and, and realize some, some return for the investors in, in, in the short term while you continue with, you know, uh, you know, the Swarm app piece, perhaps. I don't know. But there's, there's a lot of data sitting there that's collected over the last, you know, number of years. Um, and if, if, if that data about intent and local search and discovery is the piece that has the real value because the other, you know, there's no real ad revenue from what we can tell. So if the, if the value sitting in the data around local search and discovery and what people's intent and interests are, 
and you're keeping that in sort of the thing called Foursquare, um, and, and you're actually going to you know a competitor or somebody else in the industry, and then you continue on with this other thing called Forum over here, which is the check-in piece, and you try to figure out you know where that's going to go or how it competes with Facebook or whatever, then right at least maybe they're trying to find a way to make some money. You know, it's it's funny though, Asif, because they they take their application and and it's true. I believe in this challenge of complexity around their app right now. And if you're watching this and if you're listening to this, we have a serious bandwidth challenge. So uh, Asif looks like a blurry blob, but we just can't stop because we're under a tight deadline. So uh, hopefully it'll come back. But um, you know, I think that they're challenged because they have this this insanely complicated, complex application that has evolved over four years, and now they split it up and they're competing against Facebook on one side. And uh, you know, Crowley says that Facebook doesn't get it, but they have a billion users. It doesn't matter if they get it or not; just a small percentage of those users would be higher than all of Foursquare's entire user base. So to say that they don't right. get it is one thing. The other side that they're competing against is this company called Yelp, who has deep relationships with one of the biggest search engines on the freaking planet. And, uh, you know, all these companies are now moving towards collecting their own data, using their own location data and pushing Foursquare right out. So I think that this is a last ditch effort. But you know what? What what makes me not optimistic about its future? Right. Um, there's a few things. One, the technology behind the recommendation engine, they say they've done a whole revamp of the recommendation engine and this will actually help them uh, be like a precog. They'll understand where you've been, where your friends have been, what you like, what you don't like, the restaurants that you go to, the proximity to where you are, all of those kind of things. And then you know what happens? Magic happens for recommendations. And hopefully that does happen because I think that there's a huge opportunity in that kind of algorithmic uh, company in Foursquare. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, what, what makes me a little bit, the second thing that makes me a little bit more optimistic about this is that they have to do something. And to just keep modifying what Foursquare is and adding new features and cutting new features and, and changing the way they place the uh, check-in button uh, isn't working, hasn't worked. Ha they haven't gotten the growth that some yeah. of the other companies are. And we know big companies uh, and small companies alike, like, like uh, you know, Damien's company, Damien Patton's company, Banjo, they've done an about-face. They've changed. They've moved out of the friend discovery yep. mode and more about the experiential mode and keeping on, on top of, of location as opposed to people. And so they have to do something significant or they will go at the end of the day when Foursquare is shuttered and shut down and the money is all spent and everybody's pissed, they will sit in a corner at a bar and think, what could we have done? I wish we had done this. I wish we had done this. So my only thing about this is that they're being aggressive. This is something that they have to do. Maybe not these combinations, but they have to do something or else they're going to die sooner. That's my opinion. Yeah. No, I I agree with you. It's uh you know this this is it. This is the last straw. This is and, it, and and we'll see what happens. Well, you know what? I'm I'm interested to see this, and and you know I don't know if they sell Swarm or they sell Foursquare or, uh, but broken they up. They got to sell something. Yeah, or they got to raise. They got to do something. How much? You can't raise again. I mean, like I mean, how much? I mean, these guys have taken so much money in. But you know, it's funny the the, the numbers that they're talking about for revenue. It's a two and a half million last year. They're going to go up to twelve this year, which is a good significant uh, bump. Sure. Um, but they're also talking forty to fifty million next year. Like that's those are their projections. So, you know, if they can do that, they're onto something. And and they've attracted some good people who are coming over there because they believe that Foursquare is the greatest advertising uh, advertising platform on the planet, more so than Facebook, more so than a lot of the other guys like Yelp. So we'll see. Yeah, so I mean, uh, we're going to talk about Square now. And, uh, you know, Rob, Rob mentioned the uh, sort of the, the new uh, the new product offering from them around pickup. But, uh, you know, the big story this week is, you know, are these guys, uh, you know, about to sell and, and kind of, you know, try and get out of the business because they're bleeding cash like crazy. Um, it's not a profitable business. It's not a profitable business. Uh, the losses are widening. You know, the the, the cash reserves are shrinking big time. Uh, apparently, there's been talks with Google a while back about acquiring them. Apparently, Apple's looked at acquiring them. Uh, eBay, eBay, PayPal have been in the mix. Um, so a bunch of you know a bunch of people have talked to them. Um, one guy uh, was quoted as saying that um, if they where's the quote here? Let me pull it up. Um, so th this just happened. <coughs> um, uh, in the last couple of months, but one one executive told a potential acquirer that the company had nine months left before it would hit a predetermined cushion of funds set aside as a last resort. Is that like a reserve parachute? Yeah, you know when yeah. you hit the five thousand mark. 
footmark. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so crazy stuff going on here. I mean, and yet, you know, the penetration has been good mm -hmm. in, in terms of, you know, reaching customers and getting merchants on board. A million merchants, uh, you know, use Square already. Uh, on their tablets or their phones or whatever to process transactions. Uh, over twenty billion dollars in transactions processed, revenue five hundred and fifty million. But they're you know they're not making money, mm -mm. right? They're not making money. And and the Starbucks uh, deal, which was you know costly, th the big thing is costing them a ton, a ton, a ton of money. Um, so they did that deal at the end of two thousand and twelve. So you can you know you you can uh, basically you know you know use Square at Starbucks. Um, and apparently, uh, it's a two percent transaction fee um, on that uh, when you use uh, you know Square at Starbucks. But apparently, um, they're losing twenty million dollars just from the Starbucks deal alone. Yeah, just well, it wasn't Starbucks a good deal. deal. Like maybe it was exposure. From yeah, from a from a marketing pr perspective, it's good. So you know, there, there's something to be said here. There's a lesson here for entrepreneurs out there that are looking at this, and it's this is a disruptive space. And Square is a disruptive company without a shadow of a doubt. But they're amazing technology. But they're disrupting an industry that just doesn't have a business model that's sustainable. So that's why they're branching out. That's why they created this marketplace last fall or last summer, which was you know supposed to be the place where you can onboard your company to sell, go into the e-commerce space, and then. Uh, mm -hmm. But but they have had not as many people. And companies sign up for that as they had hoped. Whereas a company like Shopify has gone like this through the roof. Even Shopify is small with 100,000 stores. That's not a lot, right? Yeah. Um, and so you got the dominant guys. So it's a, they're in an industry that it doesn't matter if they're driving a million stores because there's no margin in that. That's like the computer industry, right? It's yep. like there's no margin left in that. And to, to discount their percentage that, they, that, they're, that they're charging... That is their bread and butter. So that's why they're looking at some auxiliary services like their marketplace or like, uh, you know, like the delivery service or like the pickup service. Yep. And and, uh, and they're charging a premium for that. Why? 8% is outrageous. It's out freaking outrageous. Like I can't imagine spending 8%, that's including the credit card charge, 8% in addition to what I'm already spending just so I have the convenience of picking it up no. at the same time. It does not function, does not compute, does not work, will not work. No. Nobody in their right mind will do that. There's nobody that is in that much of a hurry that will pay an 8% premium. And they say, it's all, oh, it's a flat rate. I'm like, flat rate, my ass. It's eight bucks on $100, eight extra dollars. Remember we talked about the cab company yep. last year or last week. And would you pay, you know, what was it? 15 additional dollars just to have an, a latte waiting for you in the car? No, same thing here. No. And so I think that Mojo or Square has lost its mojo. It's lost its focus. And when it went out of that small and enabling small and medium-sized businesses to get on and start taking transactions, mobile transactions, like the guys at the craft sales, those they're bread mm -hmm. and butter that don't care about paying the 2.75%. When they moved up and into Starbucks, they left those ghosts behind and they left their minds and their model and their whole business behind to focus. They got all caught up in their name of Starbucks. And I think that this is what Hubris does. Square is a cool company. It is an innovative company. It is a disruptive company. But they lost sight of what it is that they did. And here they are. I'm not saying they're going bankrupt, but they're not going to be around this time next year. I've always said that. Square is a great technology, but a terrible yep. industry. Uh, we, and we agree on that. You know, and the reality is, is you know, PayPal is not going to do this deal because no way. they don't need to. They make right? money. I mean, they're making money. Uh, you know, they're they've got their own, uh, you know, their own swipe uh, little uh, widget device. You know, they don't need this. No. Uh, Google, yeah, I mean, wallet. You know, Google wallet struggled. Maybe that makes sense. Um, you know, that could be a logical play. I know those those talks apparently are still going on. Uh, but I'm I'm with you. You know, innovation coming out of the wazoo here at, yeah. at this company. Great, Love it. Great. Great but, innovation. Man, um, you know, the business model is is just not working. I, so. I wish, you know, I wish that this would work. But, like, they've innovated, and I keep saying this, in an industry that doesn't have the margins to be innovative yet. And I think that that's the problem about the, being the canary here in this industry is that they're the guys who set out. They're the guys who are going to lead by example. And, and, and it's going to be hard, 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 hard. Mm -hmm. And if they can make it through, I would have a huge amount of respect, but there's just not, nothing's going to happen. And the thing is that they're yep. probably looking for billions of dollars in an acquisition because I think that there's a whole bunch of smaller companies that could leverage Square combined. Like I would think here, Shopify should go and buy Square, but they don't have $4 billion, right? Or $5 billion or whatever the billions it would take. But Shopify and Square, because Shopify is the marketplace Square so desperately needs, and Shopify is leveraging a partnership for their yep. payment transactions. They both have the uh, the POS 
uh, for in-store stuff and inventory stuff. I just believe that that kind of marriage would be so great if they would consider it. Together, those companies would be amazing. But, uh, you know, Square will go for the money and Shopify will just continue down the path. But that's it. I would say Shopify and Square, boom. That's my, that would be my ideal. There you go. You heard it here first on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Harley, if you listen to this, buddy, you should buy Square. Wait for eight and a half months, though, when they have no more money left. What do you think? You think Square can make it? Anyway. All right, our third story is safe. Alter Geo. This thing uh, excites me, but scares the hell out of me as well. <laughs> so let me let me put this to, to you. So this is uh, Alter Geo, the company that it basically is like Foursquare. It has all of this data about location. They're selling this stuff to some Russian banks that I've heard and and banks to be able to make a decision on what, whether or not you're a credit risk. Like, can you imagine your privacy, the challenges that these guys okay, are but, having? But Rob. It's the Foursquare of Russia, they yeah. ha- and they have a business model. They make okay. money. Okay. We should they stop talking money. about it then. Let's just start with that. They make money. Well, they're doing this. Yeah, exactly. Period. Full stop. Pause. Now, the, now the real question is like, what what does it mean? You know, uh, when they follow you around and they make a, they give you a profile based on not only where you live but the places that you go to. This this starts to get a little bit dicey. So, say you go to a strip club, you spend some time in a bar at two o'clock in the afternoon, even though it's a day off. You know, you wander around the slums if you're you know Rob Ford looking for some crack, perhaps, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, they take all that data and and despite the fact that you live in the Palisades or the you know the Rockcliffe here or the you know the hills in Montreal, is that you you know you would be labeled somewhat of a risk because you you're a you know a crack addicted uh, you know uh, uh, strip club going uh, bar attending person right so I think that there's uh, well I believe that there's some greatness in that it also would scare the crap out of a lot of people probably but, the crackheads you know, and the guys you, going to strip clubs sort of I mean you can get why you know this makes sense in Russia yes. I mean we hear the stories. You know about you know uh, all sorts of undercurrents and crime and uh, you know fraud and and all sorts of things going on uh, you know over there you know much more so than we hear in in, in North America and, and so you know if you're a bank if you're lending people money and and people you know are going to come to you and try and paint a picture of themselves uh, to get a loan um, that maybe isn't the truest picture you know wouldn't you want to use every technology available to you to try and and assess the honesty of that um, that potential customer yes um, you, you know it makes sense right and, and and so I love how Alter Geo is approaching this and you know what they call geo scoring uh, a client uh, you know that makes sense to me um, I don't I you know I think every bank should be doing this and credit card companies should be doing this I know they use it for fraud detection you know the credit card companies use use location already for fraud detection but to, to, to use this in a proactive way to determine your your viability for uh, you know for some sort of lending uh, vehicle um, better than a it C4. makes sense. Yeah, it tells you know, a different story. On the consumer side, yeah, sure. There's there's some privacy issues around this, but it's at the end of the day, at the end of the day, look, you're going in and you're, you know, it comes back to what I always say about privacy. It's a value exchange. Yeah. Do you want the loan? Do you need the loan? Okay. What are you prepared to give us in, in order for us to feel comfortable giving you the loan? Yeah. And that means your data in yeah. this particular case. That is, they want to tap into the human black box, is what we should call this, right? Is that is exactly go. what it the is? The human black box. So, Alter Geo, phenomenal uh, uh, partnership here. Love that you're going into financial services with this. Great stuff. Yeah, you know, and and I think this would help a lot if you if you did this kind of stuff. Alter Geo came into Toronto and uh, and just tagged your mayor, right? Just said, listen, yeah. What what can can you be a, a suitable uh, representation of the city? Can you actually work in government? What is your history? Because you know everybody's got a scandal. You just don't see it unfold like you do in Toronto. Can you imagine this in the political scene in oh general? God. It would it, right? would it would clean okay, out a whole so, bunch of stuff. So, so we just found out today here, uh, both Rob and I, Toronto, Ottawa. We live in the in the province of Ontario. We you know they dissolved the government today yes. and have called an election. Yes. Which doesn't mean it's anarchy and chaos and nobody's yeah. looting no, no, no. and burning. It's, it's just, just there's, there's, we're going to have an election. We're going to have a vote for for you know who's going to run our our state provincial government. How are you? You know, you look at that, and wouldn't it be interesting to take this kind of technology and apply it to tracking the leaders of the, of those parties yeah. uh, as they go around, and then having the media uh, have access to that open data. That's, wow! But that's what wow. po- that's what politics is, also, right? Gio, by the way, if you are listening to this. 
and you're interested in that and you yeah. want to do that, you know, we can make that happen at the LBMA. Um, and we'd love to kind of put that together and, and, and bring some media in, into that. I would love to see that. You know, who would be the first person to step up and say, yes, I, I would do that? You know, because everybody has these deep, dark, dark things that it yeah. just seems with politicians, right? Um, and uh, and I, I'm uh, I, that would be very interesting. That'd be certainly the most open election you could possibly have. It would get everything on the table. So that's Alter Geo, fascinating technology, and but it's scary at the same time. I don't know if I have stuff to hide. I just I don't think I do. Yeah, no. But, but you know, I'm just saying the human black box. All right, those, I like are, it. those are the three stories. Four Square splitting themselves up. Square on the brink of something being acquired, rolling out new services, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and Alter Geo, the death of privacy. Uh, in order, you know, sell sell your privacy, sell your data, so that you can actually um, t to get some money for to buy your house, whatever it is. But it's Alter Geo. Yes. Those are the three. Very, very, very cool. There right, you go. That's it. So, do we want to roll into the resource and then uh, finish this show up? The new digital divide. This is a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool study done by Deloitte. Yeah. So, so a new report out from uh, Deloitte uh, called "The New Digital Divide: Retails, Retailers, Shoppers, and the Digital Influence Factor." Mm. Uh, we'll have this up on the LBMA website under the Research uh, tab, so you can go check it out there. But there's some interesting data in here. They're looking at, uh, you know, how mobile and digital influences uh, in-store sales. Um, and they're saying, you know, c contrasting, you know, uh, 2012 to 2013 on, you know, mobile was 5% on influencing uh, in-store sales. Now it's 19% uh, as of the end of last year. Uh, uh, and digital, um, you know, it's sort of wider, uh, obviously inclusive of mobile, 14% in 2012, 36%. Um, you know, in, um, in in 2013, and gone from 334 billion dollars to 1.1 trillion. Uh, you know the the impact on on in store sales that digital uh, devices have, has had huge huge numbers here. Uh, so all kinds of uh, great findings in here. Um, uh, they talk about you know technology beacons a whole bunch of things. So take a look at it uh, again under the lbma.com forward slash research. You'll find it there. The new digital divide from Deloitte. I, uh, I love it. And if you if you ever listen to any of the mobile minutes that we used to feature here is that Chuck talks about this path to purchase and and, and that process is now elongated. And the thing that most people uh, look at, most retailers look at is the actual impact of the transaction. But here's a good example of a study that shows that, you know what, it's not just the transaction that's being mobile. It's the influence from the time that they somebody has money in their pocket to the time they make mm -hmm. a purchase. Mobile is influential along that path. It's amazing. And, and all the way. Keep that in mind. And I, you may have seen me if you're watching the video. I just kind of looked over because my son came in and he he uh, he saved me a, a half of a gummy bear and handed it to me. It's soaking, sopping wet, nice. gooey mess, and I'm, nice. It stuck to my finger anyway. So it's just <laughs> he's very generous that way. Sticky, sticky. Hey, let's share. All right, so that is uh, that is episode number one hundred and eighty, folks. One hundred and eighty episodes down. We will be back next week for one hundred and eighty-one. Let us know what you think of the show. You can reach out to me at Rob at Untether.tv or Seif at the LBMA.com. Uh, or through the Twitter sphere, always, always, always at Rob Woodbridge or at Asif R. Khan. We would love to hear what you think about the show. We would love to know uh, if there is anything that we should be covering. How about the new format? We like it. Do you? So please reach out. Um, but that's it. Asif, anything else that we should be talking about? That's As it. That's all I got. All right, All folks. Right. We'll see you for 181 next week. See you, everybody.